Oi, tudo bem? This is Brazuca Sounds, hosted and produced by Leandro Vignoli. Episode 1. Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Brazuca Sounds and this is episode number one, a podcast about Brazilian music. Just in case you are wondering, Brazuca is a slang term that means Brazilian, yes. But it's more commonly heard abroad among its own community living in other countries, just like here in Toronto where I'm based at this very moment. Each episode of this uh, show, I will talk about Brazilian music from kind of the same vibe or era, sometimes with more obscure music, other times more popular in the country, regardless of its decades. Today, for instance, I will bring three black musicians from the movement called Sou Brasileiro from the 1970s that largely dissociated themselves from samba, which until the mid-60s in Brazil was practically the only way of musical expression among the black population. So between 1970 and 79, I guess pretty much like in every other country, uh, Jackson 5, Stevie Wonder were like dominating the parades. So it was just like a natural choice for so many Brazilian soul and funk artists with some like regional approach. So this movement, So Brasileiro, which is literally translated as Brazilian soul, is even like a play of words. This word soul is very similar in pronunciation to the Portuguese verb to be like sou, meaning I am. So Brasileiro, it sounds like a pun to I am Brazilian, not only the more obvious reference to the American soul music. That being said, let's start this episode number one of Brazuca Sounds with one of my favorite guys from that period. His name is Cassiano. Só a se querer Se não fosse o meu patrão Cassiano is one of those artists that remain relatively unheard uh, acclaimed mainly among musicians and serious Brazilian music enthusiasts like even in Brazil he's not exactly uh, recognized among people if we speak about his music. He started in the late 70s, late 60s, pardon me, as a member of soul group vocal group uh, called Os Diagonais, uh, more or less like the Impressions in America. And then he made his transition as a solo artist, just like Curtis Mayfield also did, right? So Cassiano also played guitar in Team Maya debut record in 1971, 
By the way, Timaya even recorded two of Cassiano's records, including Primavera, which is up to this day is like a tremendous hit in Brazil. Later in 71, Cassiano released his first solo record. Timaya retributed the favor, contributing with two of his own songs for the record. Cassiano also recorded a version of Primavera in his debut in a slightly different tempo than Team Maya's version, prioritizing especially the orchestral arrangements compared to the Team Maya's powerful voice from the original. There is even a funny story told by Team Maya himself that he was kind of embarrassed to sing in front of Cassiano due to his exceptional skills as a musician, as a guitar player. Of course, Team Maya's rendition of Primavera is like anything else, but Cassiano's version is also very, very good. He's obviously in the same territory of Team Maya, just like a bit smoother, in my opinion, more like a classic soul singer, uh, less rough than Team Maya. Cassiano has also, let's say, way less influence from, uh, from regional Brazilian sounds in his songs, which is perhaps exactly what made Team Maya so interesting in regional at the time. But anyway, to me, Cassiano Magna Opus is not his debut, but his third record, Cuban Soul, 18 Kilodis, from 1976, which is like pure soul, combined with pumping, grooving bass lines, sweet vocals, and kind of a heavy funk jam sometimes. He's really focused on simple soul singing, mixing ballads, dance melodies, He's really like Curtis Mayfield on that regard, just not as political. Probably one of my favorite songs of Cassiano's entire discography is this song, Onda. Thank you. 
Honda is like is this perfect blend of like a driving bass line, subtle percussions all driven by like a disco sound, seems almost like submerged in beach water, the vocals are simple but repetitive, nearly 8 minutes and it's not enough, you really want to dance and kind of relax to the tune, ultimate sound to listen to by the ocean, there is even some like uh, wave sounds in the mixing, by the way onda is a Portuguese with a double connotation right, it means obviously wave but also might be like a vibe, a good vibe, a boa onda, this song was even sampled uh, more recently by Anderson Park and Knowledge for the track Link Up, if you want to look it up on your favorite streaming service. Cuban Soul, the record, was also technically his last because Cassiano had to extract a lung due to uh, healthy problems, so he had practically abandoned his career as a singer in 1978, even if he kept working as a studio musician for several years afterwards. In the 90s, he, he had kind of a revival, especially in part because of the rappers Racionais MCs, which is the most famous hip-hop group in Brazil, major Cassiano devotees uh, for sampling, they used to quote Cassiano in interviews by name, so they kind of really put Cassiano on the map again in the 1990s. <laughs> Cassiano was largely influenced by the American soul and funk music from artists such as Stevie Wonder, Otis Redding, Marvin Gaye, uh, Curtis Mayfield, as I said before, unlike these other artists that I'm, I'm gonna bring to you here that had more like a pinch of Brazilian influences and Brazilian music uh, mixed with this soul and funk from American artists, and his name is Ildon.
Hildon is another overlooked Brazilian talent from the fantastic show of Fang Generation of the 70s. Also a little under the shadow of Team Maia, uh, he began like his music journey in the Cassiano band actually, and then he was hired as a studio musician and composer for the Polydor record label, where he produced like many, many successful records uh, of important mainstream artists such as like Erasmo Carlos, Odair José, Gerson King Combo. Team Maia itself was a household name for the label and Hildon ended up playing guitar in Team Maia's second record. Cassiano, Hildon and Team Maia were like super connected. It was a little bit different though because he's also absorbed a lot of the singing influences of Caetano Veloso, that laid-back style, only vocal and acoustic guitar. Yudon, by the way, was from Bahia. Many other Brazilian musicians moved from Bahia to either Sao Paulo and Rio. Uh, and so his first record is very focused on acoustic guitar melodies. He's even holding an acoustic guitar on the cover. Only later in his career he will make a transition to electric guitar. can tell he's got the sound that mixes together influences from American soul and funk, of course, especially Nile Rodgers. Hilden is primarily a guitarist, after all, uh, but also with some slightly psychedelic influences uh, from Parliament, Funkadelic, those early 70s combos. Uh, Hilden's got a warmly intimate voice, kind of a mellow soul mode that really works great for Hilden style. He also had a very distinguished lisp when pronouncing syllables with the S, which is like a Hilden trademark. So he got a groove, but he got an eye out for love songs as well. He's like a blend of mellow, heartfelt tunes and groovers. Na Rua Na Chuva Na Fazenda is arguably his greatest hit. It's really mainstream in Brazil, like a karaoke song. Every person you talk about music in the country will know na rua, na chuva, na fazenda. Não estou disposto a esquecer seu rosto de vez. E acho que é tão normal. Dizem que sou louco por eu ter um gosto assim. Gostar de quem não gosta de mim Jogue suas mãos para o céu E agradeça se acaso tiver Alguém que você gostaria que Estivesse sempre com você Na rua, na chuva, na fazenda Ou numa casinha de saber
Put your hands up to the sky and think if you have someone that you always like to be with you on the street, in the rain, in the farmhouse, or even in a little shack. That's what the chorus of the song says. Beautiful, repetitive, you can stay with this song the whole day stuck into your head. Na Rua na Chuva da Fazenda was even included in the soundtrack of the movie City of God. In a very beautiful scene from the movie, if you can recall. Uh, and it's interesting because you don't record this song in 73 independently in the Polydor Studios without telling any label executives. It was pretty much a guerrilla session that eventually saw light only in 1975 and became like a massive hit. By the way, Yudon was always fighting music labels, he was very obsessed with tunes, mixing, one of those studio freaks. Uh, but fighting music corporation was not a good idea in the 70s, especially because music labels practically decided if you will play on the radio or not, or in other words, decided if you will make money or not. So Yudon ended up leaving Polydor to CBS, a uh, Brazilian subsidiary for Colombia. He went there over a bunch of disputes over the control of his music, arrangements. He was like, after that, technically banned from every big music label in the country. So in the 80s and early 90s, Yudon was making music for children records. He even wrote a music theme for a comedy TV sketch character. Very, very weird stuff. Then he had kind of a revival in the early 2000s when a cheesy but very popular Brazilian band called Jota Quest recorded one of the Yudon songs called As Dores do Mundo. Like I said, it was very cheesy, but Jota Quest was kind of a Maroon 5 and kind of made this revival for Yudon that was pretty much very well deserved. Like uh, Hildon and Cassiano that were more like obscure music, now we're gonna transition to a guy that was like the first very black pop star in Brazilian music history, and I'm talking about Wilson Simonal. <laughs> Fevereiro, fevereiro, 
So unlike Hildon and Cassiano, which are probably more obscure for the mainstream, uh, Wilson Simonal dominated Brazilian charts during the late 60s. He was the nation's first black pop superstar, but remains also largely unknown outside of South America. Simonal was largely responsible for creating like a dynamic fusion of American soul, jazz, samba, also infused with Latin American rhythms like salsa and cha-cha-cha. Simonal also had a great year for discovering new songwriting talent. His first major hit, Jimanya, offered some kind of exposure on its writer, a then unknown Caetano Veloso. Simonal also did early songs by likes of Gilberto Gil, Chico Buarque. The song in the background is Wilson Simonal uh, singing the song País Tropical by Jorge Ben. So Wilson Simonal became so famous that he was awarded his own television show. He was like a Sammy Davis Jr. in a certain way. He was like sensual, he was funny, a little sappy even. I guess the main difference to Sammy is that Wilson Simonal was in fact a very beautiful man, a charismatic figure, but also kind of surrounded by controversy with the military. Then I go further later on. Uh, more or less, when Richard Nixon convinced uh, Sammy Davis Jr. to go to Vietnam to support the troops. But anyway, it was around the time of Wilson Simonal television show in Brazil in the early 60s that he recorded his first massively hit, Não Vem Que Não Tem, a song that is encompassed by his trademark laughing in the opening of the tune. <laughs> Vamos voltar a pilantrar. Deixa comigo. Uma musiquinha pra machucar os corações. Nem vem que não tem. Nem vem de garfo que hoje é dia de sopa. Esquenta o ferro, passa a minha roupa. Eu nesse embalo vou botar pra quebrar. Sacudim, sacudar. The song in Brazil is like a success, even it's played today. It was included in the record Alegria Alegria, which is kind of a Simonal catchphrase. It was like happiness, happiness. He was constantly saying that in the television show. Alegria, alegria. Caetano Veloso's song Alegria Alegria from his debut record. Caminhando contra o vento, sem lenço, sem documento, no sol de quase dezembro, eu vou. It was a reference to Simonal, but in a form of a diss. It was pretty much more irony and sarcasm than a homage. Caetano's song is heavily immersed in subtle criticism of Brazilian military government. It's a very political song. The name of the song had nothing to do with the mood of happiness or the Simonal Alegria Alegria. It was just a disguise so the military government would not censor the song. As many of you may know, like the Brazilian government was the subject of a right-wing military coup in 64, lasted for nearly two decades. Simonal's lack of political song was considered by many 
protesters, intellectuals as alienated, even sympathetic of Brazil. Despite all the censorship that the population was going through, he was seen like a representation of the fake Brazil, like all fun, smiles, and happiness. And even it has a little truth in that. Simonal's songs were fun and poppy. He was also like a massive Brazilian black man icon. So we gotta put a little bit of uh, racism in those statements too, because uh, Simonal even composed and recorded a song tribute to Martin Luther King in the very heyday of dictatorship in Brazil. Martin Luther King is a Negro norte-americano. O mérito maior de Martin Luther King é lutar cada vez mais pela igualdade dos direitos das raças. Essa música, eu peço permissão a vocês, porque eu dediquei ao meu filho, esperando que no futuro ele não encontre nunca aqueles problemas que eu encontrei e tenho às vezes encontrado, apesar de me chamar Wilson Simonal de Castro. Sei, sou negro de cor, meu irmão de minha cor, o que te peço é luta sem luta mais, que a luta está no fim. So Simonal, who did not write many songs, what he's saying he is basically, yes, I'm a black man, so my brother of color, what I ask you is to fight and fight more, because this fight is nearly over. So yes, Simonal was an entertainer, living a life of extravagancy and fame, but he was not completely out of touch. He was like a paradox, a man of multitudes. When he left his longtime label, Old Young, in 1971, he even accused his accountant of stealing his money because Simonal sold millions of records, but he was broke, and according to his accountant, that was due to his exorbitant lifestyle when poor investments. But Simonal was not satisfied with that answer, so he contacted his friends at the police arm of the military regime to kidnap the guy and persuade him to confess. In other words, he practically hired torturers of the government to do that job. And unfortunately, it did not end well for Simonal. He was prosecuted, and an army general claimed he was in fact an informant to the military police to spy on his fellow musicians. And just to remember here, many Brazilian artists left the country at the time in exile, even Caetano Veloso and Chico Buarque. So Simonal became largely seen as a pariah, a snitch. His career never recovered from accusations that he was a police informant. Simonal even relocated from Rio de Janeiro to São Paulo, signed a new deal to RCA Victor, and released a record in 75 called Ninguém Proíbe o Amor, 
uh, an album that I particularly think it's amazing, but it was not a hit anymore. So in the 80s and the 90s, he practically stopped recording, he slipped into alcoholism, he died of cirrhosis in the year 2000, and only after his death, uh, his then wife and lawyer was able to access the Justice Ministry documents proving that Simonal's name is shown nowhere on any list of military informants. He was pretty much framed by the government. And in case any of you is interested in this whole details of the story, there's a good documentary from 2009 called Simonal, Ninguém Sabe o Duro Que Eu Dei, Nobody Knows How Hard I Had to Work, with a more sympathetic portrait of him. And they even included a long testimony of his former accountant in the documentary. And that is it for today, folks. Uh, send me a message if you like the show. I'm on Instagram at brsounds. There is also a playlist on Spotify, Brazuca Sounds, containing all the songs that I play in this, this podcast today. And I will constantly update that playlist with the songs uh, of the further podcasts, okay? Any feedback is very welcome. Thank you for listening, and I see you next time. This was Brazuca Sounds with Leandro Vignoli. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.